0: now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff.
1: My guest is Josie Adu, who experienced freedom during her near-death experience, and today we're going to learn about it. Josie, thank you for being my guest today, and welcome. Thank you. All right, if you don't mind, can we start on the day that your experience happened and go from there? Sure.
0: Um, I had my NDE experience in December 7th, 2013. I was 23 years old and, um, now I'm 32. So it's been, it's been almost nine years. It'll be nine this, this upcoming year. And, um, it's, it's been, it's been an experience to be back alive basically. Um, but I've, it started off uh, as a regular day. I was heading to work. I I worked at Whole Foods and um, starting my day off early. I remember even my dad cleaning off my car. We had a really big blizzard there in Cincinnati, where I was uh, where I was living, born and raised there. And uh, I I uh, went off to work, and um, you know we lived. I lived on the Kentucky side, which is uh requires you to cross the ohio river and that those bridges often freeze up so i was heading my way across the river over the ohio river into see ohio side into downtown cincinnati uh, my car was um merging i was trying to merge into the left lane to move in and i had hit a patch of black ice and uh, my car took a complete you know, 90 degree turn and went straight into the far left lane, which was a semi truck coming at full speed. And so my car had slid underneath it and it ripped the roof of my car off and it took my car and me up the highway for some distance and then ejected my car out uh, at the speed of which the truck was going, which was about 70 miles per hour. It did end up impacting the guardrail, and the guardrail had, since there was no car around my head anymore, the guardrail had hit the back of my head, and it had stamped open the back of my skull. So from the impact of sliding under, the whole left side of my face was crushed. Um, So I have a titanium half-sided face um, with plates and bolts and all of those fun part Mm. and then i also have reconstruction in the back of my head um so in that moment that my car had slid under the ice there is a little bit of an interesting backstory which is i was i had my turn signal on i have uh, perfect memory of my experience. So I didn't have any brain damage and I didn't have any trauma. So when I say I do remember, I vividly do remember uh, trying to merge out of my lane, having my turn signal on and seeing a car beside me that was prohibiting me from merging out of my lane. So I had ended up continuing going straight into the uncleared part of the road instead of being able to leave my lane. And when I went to the hospital and I had woken in the hospital, I actually woke up while they were caught sawing me out of my car with the jaw of life um, apparatus. But when I was speaking to them in the hospital and they asked me what had happened, I had said a car was preventing me from leaving my lane. However, when we looked back at the weather radar cameras, there were no car beside me. Mm. And so I had drove directly into this un cleared road for no reason is how it would appear but i certainly know that that's not what happened and um being um a very spiritual person this is not the first time i've had um something of a force of nature intervene on me but it certainly was the most bizarre because i stayed in that lane and 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 drove a little bit into that ice um so needless to say, um, that is the most undescribed unexplained portion of my experience. Another thing that was absolutely bizarre was that when I returned to my body and I do remember returning to my body I remember running feeling like I was running, breathing hard, feeling myself hurrying back into my into my body I felt this insane slam. And then I felt that cold. Well, when they reviewed what had occurred to my body, to my face, particularly, all the bones that had broke, had broke from the inside out. I did not break from an impact that occurred upon me, my bones broke outwardly. So another medical anomaly that Almost 40 doctors at the time could not explain to me. They have never seen anybody break from within is essentially what happened. My explanation is, is I, I slammed back into my body incredibly hard. I made a choice to return and I also made a choice to leave. And so I felt like that freedom and that power I had given, I was given was, something that is absolutely unexplainable, but the most powerful thing about what happened. So when my car slid under that semi-truck as prior to it, moments before it, I never felt any impact. I remember actually thinking about that car. I was mad. I was like, how could you? Ah!" (laughs) You know, I was actually angry at this vehicle. And then within that moment of anger to impact, I had seen everybody, you know, every, every animal I ever owned, um, every person I ever loved, every person who ever hurt me, um, experiences, situations, family, um, people I had not seen since I was a little girl. Uh, it, it was so many faces and experiences all jam packed into this moment that it defies the logic of time. And then everything went white and I do recall saying goodbye. I was okay with that. I was okay with what I'd seen. I allowed to be, uh, I allowed what had happened to me in my life, life be let go of. I decided I wasn't gonna take it with me and I let go and everything went white and that was it. I don't, I did not experience the impact of that truck or the guardrail, or anything of the sort. I just said my goodbyes and I left. And then I returned, very um, very uniquely broken. So though my car had went underneath the semi truck, and it was crushed, my vehicle was crushed around me. The window frame was now like a hula hoop. It was around my waist and my head was leaning on the exterior of my car that had now been crushed to the side of me. So the door panel that normally would be here is now here and I'm laying on it. So um, it it fully did um, separate my forehead, skin and whatnot. It separated my face and my hairline. So I had to have that brought back together. Um, so I do have like a nice Harry Potter scar across my face. And, um, you know, I, uh, I'm very grateful that I didn't lose any of my good marbles. I did not have a concussion. I knew exactly what time it was, where I was, where I was going. There was no disconnect. And I was not alone. I mean, I was so spiritually connected to this source that just immediately tapped into me when I returned. I, I woke up. They're cutting me out of the jaws of life, and they're immediately putting me into an ambulance right there. And I audibly recall this magnificent voice of consciousness, and it certainly wasn't my own, saying to me, if something cannot have your energy or your light, your essence, then it will just have you. And you need to remember that. And so that has stuck with me that voice had, has given, gave me comfort while all the doctors and people were scrambling around me to see if they could save my life. I knew that I was okay because I was basically told I was going to be okay. But if I wanted to make it through this lifetime, I can't be unaware of my own power and my own energy and what I offer this world. And it was a magnificent experience to have that come from this.
1: Josie, thank you for sharing your experience with us. What do you think that other car was that wouldn't let you change lanes?
0: You know, it's a very interesting thing. I told the police officers who had come to check on me at the hospital. I had told the doctors and nurses. so um, And they didn't think I was, you know, there was no sign that I was mentally disconnected. So I take away from that what I've taken away from energy my whole life and i have found that there's always been a force of energy that is opposite of me and i don't know many other people i mean i have great friends and they that's what i love about them but i don't i don't know many people that have a disposition like i do which is constantly trying to not hurt and always trying to nurture others Perhaps it's not a great thing always, but it has made me a target to experiences. So even as an adolescent and a child, I've experienced this dark energy that wishes to, I don't know if the word is fail, but definitely contradicts the energy that makes me, that, that is what makes me, my composition, my frequency, has attracted many dark things. Um, and it's only right that I acknowledge it for what that is, you know, and no be in denial about it.
1: When you saw all your friends and family and all those people in that moment, were you in another realm? And if so, what was the realm like?
0: I certainly wasn't in my body. Um, and it, 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 it was like, it was, it was light. It And I don't mean like light, like, um, I mean, light like weight, it was weightless. It was not that sensation like you're hovering, which I have experienced over my body in a different experience, not an NDE, but through a traumatic, through a trauma experience. So it wasn't that it was more like you are the feather and the air together. You are now part of what you separated from so that you could slow down to operate this body. If that makes sense to you, Mm -hmm. you're no longer being weighted down by your avatar. And I felt that I felt free like that. And it wasn't scary.
1: I know you, you eventually went to like a white place, but before that with all those people, were you in like a, a room or just like a lighted area and you physically saw all these people, like light beings or just like? It's so- hmm. a
0: good question. I was very much aware that I was in the process of exiting the physical body to the ether or to the to the state of energy. My soul was certainly disconnecting. So that doesn't require space. You don't hold any space necessarily. You're holding energy. You are just your purity at that point. So it wasn't like I was in a space consumed with images. I was really just um, in a state of of um, just experience. It, it was just an experience to be had. It, it's almost like when you're dreaming or you're having a memory of something very vividly, something you you can remember, the smell and the littlest thing about it, those activations were what, and and made the vision of what I, of the people that I loved and people I was saying goodbye to and such, that's what made it strong. So Mm. it was almost like my human experience and my spiritual body was coming together at that point without the body and the physicalness weighing it down, those experiences. Mm. It was something I was going to leave with.
1: Did you know that you were dying and that's why you went ahead and surrendered?
0: Yes. Yes, I knew I was, I knew that I, I knew that it was time to go. And I knew that if I was going to go, that I wasn't going to be attached to the traumas or the cords that had linked me to the things that I was here doing. Instead, I decided to view those things and to release them back to the space of energy that they are trauma and abuse or anything that people experience in this world holds a space inside of us that is not necessarily defined by science. It's it's in our hearts, it's in our souls, it's in our minds, and I let it out hmm. by choice.
1: Do you have any with me? Do you have any memory of how you came back or why? Because you surrendered, you were into this white space, and then you changed your mind and said, "Wait, I want to go back."
0: Right. Yeah, you know, sometimes I feel like no one's more surprised that I'm alive more than me because <laughs> I said goodbye and I was okay with it. I was ready to let go. Um, I I did do uh, about a year after this um, a deep meditation, trying to access some part of my consciousness to see what I had done. And that about six minutes before I was revived. Um, or came to, I should say, at my car. Um, I was, I was not breathing for about six minutes. They had told me, um, and that was probably, to my understanding, to what I recall, was when we come to our life, when we come to be this human that we are. We don't exactly know why. We don't really know why we choose to be. To be to exist you know and so something in that time frame seemed more valuable for me to return to and i yet find myself still trying to figure out what it is i find myself helping people all the time with um various traumas and issues in their life and near-death experiences Yet, I don't know if that's exactly what I'm still here for. I'm still working on it, Mm -hmm. but I chose to not finish what I, to to not finish at that point, to not be done then. It was, I believe personally that there are a lot of humans on this planet who choose to return, choose to come, and some make no choice at all. They kind of just allow themselves to be kept in a cycle of energy. And I realized that I was not a part of that. So I made a choice to come here and I made a choice to remain here. And it's kind of um, something I think we lose that power in ourselves. We don't believe we have that power, but we do.
1: How have you changed since you've come back?
0: Well, I think that the list of changes is surreal. Um, First of all, my cognitiveness is impeccable. I used to have terrible math skills, terrible memory skills. Um, I wouldn't say terrible memory skills, but certainly they weren't, it wasn't my forte to recall places I've been or people I've met. But now there isn't a place that I haven't turned a corner on in this mountain since I've lived in Chattanooga for two years now. We love to take adventures. There isn't a turn I take. That I'm like I've I've been here before. I don't get lost. My 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 visual memory skills are un, undenied, undescribable. And I wasn't like that before, um, at all. So it's impressive how I can recall things and remember things. My memory, my ability to solve problems analytically those things have changed. And I am, I'm a right-sided brain person. I'm an artsy person. Those weren't techniques and skills I had before my accident. So I really do feel like I was plugged back in with more power in me, more to to put out. And that's a fabulous change. Um, some other changes that have happened since then is, releasing trauma and and moving on, and I bring that up a lot because that's what humans spend a lot of their lives doing, reliving their traumas and reiterating and reinstating their traumas on future generations, and that's something that doesn't happen with me. I came back with the sort of assurity that I feel like years of counseling would have brought me if it, if it ever would have, you know, security that the things that have happened in my life or your life or anybody's life, isn't that because you deserve it or that it, it had a purpose to harm you, but you have the power to let it go and to not keep it attached to you. And it's brought me to do wonderful things to help people, to, to nurture my children. I th- I certainly believe that trauma can affect how you're going to raise your kids in the future. And it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. Um, it doesn't have that effect on me anymore. I've, I've regained that power over those experiences.
1: Have you noticed that you have any psychic-like abilities?
0: Uh, I've always had psychic abilities. Um, I've always been able to uh, decipher and experience things that um, are around us that necessarily can't be seen. But I do try my best to not interrupt the spirit realm because I'm, I'm not in that spirit realm. I'm in this 3d world amongst these humans. And so I do try to maintain my energetic focuses and my spiritual inclinations to this world or else you find yourself being very separated from society. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I do try to keep my, focus lasered in on the here and now.
1: After your experience, have you noticed that you're not attracting dark energies anymore?
0: I think that they come by and I easily identify it easily. I easily feel it and easily step away from it, you know, and I don't mean that just in people that can be situations that can be you driving your car and an accident is to come. You know, and that there's that force of energy causing something bad to happen, possibly in another situation. I do feel that and I do uh, acknowledge it. And I certainly sense it in people. And so I haven't had any issues such as that one ever since. Mm. It's been great. Mm,
1: that's good. <laughs> I um,
0: couldn't say that about my childhood.
1: <laughs> what do you think inspires you about your experience?
0: It's inspiring to know that that we, can, we have this translucentness to us, that we think that we're just a solid being with these names and these features and these things that give us identity. And it's so relieving and so humbling to know that this doesn't define you, your diseases, your hair, your eyes, your looks, your name. It really doesn't define you. It's just a temporary um, hold, a temporary fix for other people to understand you by. And you have the power over how you want to be defined, how you want to define yourself. And that's where my biggest inspiration about this is that I didn't feel weakened and succumbed to my injuries. I didn't feel like, you know, I looked like hamburger, truly mashed up. (laughs) My face was absolutely unrecognizable. Um, and my head was absolutely, it was just as, as big as a pumpkin, just swollen and whatnot. And, and I had to think for myself that maybe this was how I was going to look for the rest of my life. Maybe nobody would ever love me again because I am absolutely wrangled. And I just remember laughing and being okay with it, you know, because I could have been the outcome. And if you can't be okay with the outcome... You will be succumbed by it. You will be drowning in it. And so I have been so inspired by my the ability to be released and feel humbled by, by our experiences, even if they're painful and traumatic.
1: Well, I would say that the doctors did an amazing job because I don't like to use the word normal, but I mean, you look like you've never been injured.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the left side of my face isn't, is mostly implants. Um, the, the left orbital eye socket is titanium plates. Uh, my jawbone has been re- reconnected with titanium. Uh, and also I have a scar from here to here, plus the whole back of my head is, mm-hmm. is, this, is the shape of an S, like a guardrail. Mm-hmm. That's cute. And um, really what's going on now physically is that the technology was able to put me back together and fix me. Um, it's not exactly where it needs to be to continue doing that. So I've been on the hunt continuously looking for uh, doctors to help me with my future issues that are coming from this, which is, uh, my bones are not getting nutrients in the left side of my face Mm -hmm. that they kept and remains with the implants. And so they're dissolving. Uh, And so the left side of my cheek here is. It's hollow. There's. It's just a titanium plate holding up this area of the eye right here. That it's just dissolved away, along with my eye socket, and it's dissolving too. So um, it is a it is a medical issue that I don't have an answer to right now. Basically, we're just trying to um, put a fancy bandage on this right now mm-hmm. and continuously. Putting fat injections and muscle transformation, muscle transfer in this left side to um, insulate the house a little bit, keep it from caving in and falling in. And so maybe I can find a doctor who can reconstruct.
1: Mm. Yeah, I hope you, I mean, obviously, I hope you can. Obviously, you know what you looked like before the accident, so you can compare. But Mm -hmm. as for somebody, who just met you today? Like, I, as I previously said, I mean, you look like anybody else. I'm not, I mean, mm-hmm. I had no idea that you had this. So, yeah. the doctors did it. For me, it's like the doctors must have done an amazing job.
0: Every doctor that I've seen is like, your doctor just, and I really, truly was blessed. That is a, an amazing story about. My trauma surgeon. Um, I had a team of doctors at the University of Cincinnati, which was a fabulous place to get in an accident, by mm-hmm. the way. They have a great medical center there. And so, um, I when I came into the hospital, they did not have a trauma surgeon that could operate for what I had, to, what was going on in my face. I had about seventy-five breaks in my face mm-hmm. on this one side alone. So the eye socket was like an eggshell basically is what I was told just a cracked egg. Right. And so, um, and it was all from the inside out again. So that's a very interesting aspect. But when they, um, did not have a surgeon for me in in Cincinnati, they had contacted a surgeon who was retired and he flew from Miami and incurred and had a team of 12 other surgeons and they were all retired from military s- trauma surgeons. And they came to Cincinnati, and because they did not have my blood type on hand, they uh, they didn't have the blood that I needed, that um, they were not able to operate on me for that first day. However, somebody else came in and they were able to save his life, and that's a blessing right there. So the next day they did get my blood, type in and they were able to operate and he operated for about 17 hours reconstructing my face and then, handed, they, then they hand you over to plastics and the orbital doctors and such um, but this doctor I never got to meet him never got to know his name or anything like that and then just about a week or two ago my mom had called me she was at um, a little bingo night or something with her husband who's a retired um, military as well and she was sitting next to an older man who was almost about in his 90s and he had started telling her about a civilian case that stuck with him and um, really f- stood out with him because of the nature of the injuries and then the um, I mean as he said the amazing attitude that I had throughout that process because I was fully awake while they were at the ho- while we were at the hospital and stuff except for surgery i was awake and with it so i always had the jokes going i was trying to tap everybody up because everybody was just standing around me crying like i was dying and i had to keep the mood up it felt like for my doctors and surgeons even and he had told my mom that that experience had changed him even and They didn't charge me which is great (laughs) Hmm. they didn't charge me for their service and they did it basically pro bono and he was here and he came saved my life and left my mom showed him a picture of me and he started to tear up he was like that's the girl that's the one that that i last did my last surgery on after i had retired and you know and it, it just things come together like that in such a beautiful way. So even though there's that negative, that dark energy that exists amongst us, then there's this magical-like energy that is here too, just eradicating that. And and there's a balance. We have to accept balance in this universe. You can't just have all good or you won't know what bad is. You can't, you can't have just positive energy and nothing negative. So even though I have had those traumatic experiences of you know, something negative, trying to really almost put me into that accident. It it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't fill the space inside of me that has been filled with gratitude and love for the people who came to save my life and continuously show me that support as I keep trucking through this life with these medical things that have changed.
1: You mentioned earlier that you had some type of trauma and you had an out-of-body experience. Can you I tell did, us yeah. about that?
0: When I was uh, 13, so exactly 10 years prior, um, I was a freshman in high school and I went to my first high school party and first time I ever drank. And um, I ended up being raped by two boys who were in my school. The father of the that was having this party uh, to another boy was actually a part of this plan to get me in a situation where I would be trapped in a room and partially intoxicated. So he had served us alcohol and he had literally um, shut me in a room with them and left me. So um, I left my body for sh- for certain. All my memories of that rape are from above my body. And they left a blue TV on in that room, and so it illuminated everything to be blue. And so I remember the the blue color that illuminated that experience, and I watched it from above as well as in the moment. In the moment, I did not experience that pain of feeling being raped. I did not experience their bodies pushing me down or holding me or anything like that. Um, I left my body and experienced it from what feels like the ceiling, Mm -hmm. essentially. And I watched it. Then um, when a girl had knocked on the door, um, one of them got up to check. And I remember feeling like I was flying and I flew into my body and I jumped up uh, half naked and I ran out the house into the dark. Unfortunately, um, the kids, which were mostly boys at this party because they were a football team at this high school I was at, caught up to me and captured me, made me come back to that house. And, um, the father of the party wraps me up in a blanket and that me half naked down on the porch and proceeded to tell me for two, three hours that this is what I should accept to come in my life. This is what happens to women in this world. And it's not a bad thing. It is a sign of how men, you know, show their affection and I should expect this to happen to me again. Wow. And so, um. He basically, tried to brainwash me into accepting what what they had done, and I had to go along with it if I wanted to leave. If I wanted to get back home, I had to agree that that I that I will accept this, that this will be my life, and that other men will do this to me. So he finally brought me home at six in the morning, and we got to my sister's. My dad was a pilot, and my mom had moved to Florida, so I had a single parent who was not in town. So my Sisters had to take me to the hospital and do the whole, you know, kit, rape kit and, and that. And, um, and it brought in the whole town of police into my house. I'll never forget that call my dad called me from California and he's, he asked me, Joe, are, were you raped? And, uh, and I fainted in the kitchen in front of all these um, police and, and paramedics and stuff. It was just the most overwhelming experience a child can have and it affected me every day since you know um i never ever stopped seeing it i never could turn that broken record player off and i certainly could never discontinue that pain that i felt emotionally you know i felt like my childhood was taken from me and i was such a spiritual child i mean i was talking to the birds and playing with the bugs and loving on every kid in the neighborhood and then one day, you know, I wasn't who I was. I was changed. And I, that trauma stayed with me until I was about 23 years old when I had that accident. And I woke up completely, not just that I forgave them. I had forgave them a couple years ago, actually, before that had happened. Um, but I was released from it. Now, when I think about that experience, it might bring a tear to my eye only because it's natural and you shouldn't deny your emotions. But the way it doesn't hurt anymore, because I understand that that was a choice that they made and it probably hurts them more than it will ever hurt me because that's my choice. And I wouldn't have maybe had that freedom if it wasn't for that audible voice reminding me that I have the power This is my essence. This is my energy. And it's not to be given away. Someone can come and take it from you physically, but they don't have it and they can't keep it. It's just a momentary loss. And I never felt that before. Hmm. it's It's a beautiful feeling, honestly.
1: Thank you for sharing that part of your life with us.
0: It really was quite a traumatic thing for a kid to go through.
1: Yeah, definitely. So what are you doing now after your experience moving forward?
0: Well, now I'm trying to harness this experience into a legible guide to help other people who are experiencing, you know, the turmoils of feeling like they don't know what's to come. And, you know, nobody has that harder than than children, than teenagers, um, because they have that uncertainty of adulthood looming on them. But... You know, an NDE experience in general prepares you to accept that the idea you had wasn't right, wasn't correct, you know, and it's led me to understand that even religions, though they do their very best to try to fill in those insecurities and gaps in people's hearts about their afterlife, really just don't touch basis on on what it is because that experience of freedom of dying can be felt while you're alive. But if you're constantly in fear of your sinning and you're constantly in fear of your changing and you're constantly in fear, then you will you will never be free from that emotionally and mentally. So that's what I'm working towards, harnessing this experience into something that can be used for others, that even if I'm not one-on-one talking to them. They have something to go to, a resource.
1: Do you fear death at all?
0: I welcome it. And not not to say that I don't appreciate the life I'm still living right now. If I didn't survive, I wouldn't have my beautiful children and my family. But um, I do look forward to it. I do look forward to the next chapter. I can't wait to see what else is in the universe. What other lives I will be living. Eternity is a long time Ooh. for energy. It's, it's a shame to want to be stuck in one, one place. This is a beautiful planet and a, and a beautiful humanity on it. Um, but it's not the only one. So I do look forward to the, cha- the what's to come.
1: Well, Josie, after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions or chit-chat with you. Are you open to that? And if so, how should they reach you?
0: Uh, you can always reach me um, by email, of course. That's the easiest and, uh way as well. So Josie Adu at Outlook.com. That's J-O-S-I-E-A-U-D-U at Outlook.com. That is always a comfortable way to go about reaching me. And and that's what I'm going to stick to for now on here, if that's okay.
1: Sure. Josie, do you have like a website or anything like that?
0: Not at the time. Since I've relocated to Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, I've restructured the things that I was using before uh, my personal website that I had created. So I'd like to build a new one and separate from that one because it was mostly focused on spiritual art, which is what I has have been channeling my energy into up until now, um, spiritual artwork, painting, stonework, things like that. I'm trying to move away from that All right, and work more towards just the, the conversations and the mental and spiritual work.
1: All right. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message?
0: This planet is being absolutely underrated by us. You know, we forget that this is a breathing organism supplying us with life, and it's a beautiful thing to be a part of this. Though there's war, though there's famine and things that we can't control, COVID, all of those variables, every day is a chance to be a happy person. Every day you can choose to be a happy person. Even if you're crying, even if you're down, and even if you're hurting, there's a choice to be made. And by making that choice every day, it will allow you to make the next day easier. I decided when I was a teenager um, that I wasn't going to take antidepressants for dealing with the, that childhood traumas, And as an adult, I do not take pain medicine for um, my car accident or anything like that. I've learned to accept that this is the avatar that I have and I'm going to respect it the best I can. And I'm not saying that medical help for your mind or your body with such a pain isn't necessary for everybody, but it is important that you realize that this is a beautiful experience to be had. And my husband's from Nigeria. He's seen what third world country is really like. He never had shoes without holes in them, you know, He came to America with nothing but a dream to go to college and be somebody. And he did. And nothing inspired me. could have inspired me more when I was 20 years old to see this boy that came from across the world with nothing achieve what I thought was unachievable, which was happiness with nothing, to have nothing, to have nothing to fall back on, to be on the verge of homelessness every single day, just so that you can go to school is was profound. And we all have to find that in ourselves. And that's what I hope to leave everybody on who watches this to, to just take a look, just look out there and just smile. You don't have to be here, but you are make the best of it.
1: Josie. Thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest today. I really appreciate you. you. And I wish you the best.